It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I guess. Oh, yeah, that's a college thing, isn't it? Yes. Thirsty Thursday. Every day's thirsty if you're me. I could go get my cactus cup out that I still have, even though I'm 30 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I use my cactus cups to hold my spatulas in the kitchen. Really? Uh, I'm an adult, I... so I have a crock for those, Juan. <laughs> oh. Excuse By me. the way, I think that's going to be the cold open. I might just have you repeat it like four or five <laughs> times. And so that'll be all we know of you. Hey, that's fine. You know, you get all you get all kinds of stuff when you get married. That's like sex. No. <laughs> is that one of the things that just okay, goes out the stop door? Stop listening to your girlfriend, Juan. That's not how it works. Good to know. Whoever doesn't have their phone, I'm fucking silent. Put it on silent right goddamn now. Okay, well I don't give a shit. Drew's not here, so I'm not gonna put up with these shenanigans. Probably not. Oh, we talked about this literally a minute ago. That was, just, that was great timing on that. <laughs> I don't know. I read on heard a, on GBI that this Travis Moe guy is terrible, so I try not to read anything. <laughs> that he puts out. Why not 22 seconds? Because you made me wait 10 seconds the last time you hosted, and I feel like you deserve twice as much. 22 is a ridiculous number. And a Taylor Swift song that is delightful. No Taylor Swift song is delightful. All Taylor Swift songs are delightful. Thank you, Ledman. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am Casey and we finally got one. Purdue lands their first big recruit and we're going to be here talking about that. So I'm revealing tweets about the Morgan Burke administration. 
and finally the game against illinois with me we have juan crespo all the way up from michigan how are you today i'm doing well and i'm terrible at trying to quote adele songs so we're off to a good start i got that reference just so you know i did not and the other voice you heard was andrew ledman all the way from our nation's capital how are you this fine evening doing good let's do it fellas a pep talk already and exciting news just from down south in indianapolis andrew holmes makes his hammer and rails podcast debut how we doing good Is, wouldn't it be uh down from michigan did i not say down you said up from michigan i thought i don't think i said michigan at all for one <laughs> Juan's in Michigan. I'm in Lafayette. I don't care where Juan is. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Just a geography lesson. My mom, my mom said the same thing. <laughs> what? I thought we weren't allowed to talk about your mom after last time, Juan. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we can all be happy because we finally we broke the seal. We got our first big recruit for Purdue, a three-star, seven-foot-two monster in Matt Harms. He yeah, is he's from pretty. Amsterdam, Netherlands, and is a gigantic stick figure of a man. Yeah. Ledman, I'm going to just toss it up to one of you. Take it. So here's what I know. He is originally from overseas. He's seven foot two. And word is he was on their uh, under 18 national team or whatever. Average double figures for him. You can't ask for much more than that. I mean, international experience. Played on a club team, I believe, I want to say in Spain, somewhere over there um, for one year. Now he's over in Kansas at some sort of prep school. So when you can get a guy who's seven foot two, maybe a little raw uh, on the offensive side, but you know, they always say you can't teach height. I'll trust our uh, coaching staff to get somebody who's that big and get him in the in the place where he needs to be. I mean, look what they've done with Hammonds, Landry, Haas, Biggie. His he improved last year, so I mean, you got to trust the coaches to to improve his game and that height. You just can't teach. Holmes, how do we feel waiting this long? Do you feel relieved now? Like Matt Painter had a plan all the time, and we're okay thanks to just landing one recruit. Definitely, I uh, literally did a bit of a dance when I saw the news last night. Long time coming. During the offseason for basketball, especially as bad as this football team's been, end up living and dying on recruiting news. So, big thing. I think he's, it sounds like this guy's got a lot of potential. Hope that we can grab at least one guy that's a little bit more of a polished product, like Eastern. But at this point, anything's good. And like I said in a tweet earlier, I, he's international, he's tall, and he can shoot the three. That's what I look for. <laughs> Yeah, that's in uh, yeah. players that yeah just so blindly love without uh, <laughs> any actual substance. But I mean, at some point, we really don't know a lot about a lot of these kids, regardless of they're international or local. We don't know how their game is going to transfer. But if you're seven foot two and Matt Harms does, he has a natural stroke from out deep, like in the little highlight video that we posted on Hammer and Rails. There was a lot of you know footage of him just the pick and pop guy catching the ball and being able to hoist it from that deep. You're not going to have your shot altered by anyone else running underneath you. So the idea of him and Carson Edwards running the pick and roll and pick and pop game for the next few years is pretty exciting. And I heard a rumor that he's more likely to play the four than the five, which is strange. But if that's possible, I mean, if Haas stays next year, we could possibly run out lineups at a time with, two seven foot two guys and he's not super quick and neither is Haas but if you have that much length they don't have to move that much and that's yeah you just have to shift over a little (laughs) bit and your arm is halfway across the court right and he does have a pretty good body like he's not super quick but he's pretty fluid with it and just from the ability like Haas looks so much quicker than he used to and this kid is a lot skinnier and looks like he a little more mobile than Haas well a lot more mobile than Haas was (laughs) when he first got here so 
the idea of him, plus you have Jaquil Taylor, who is long and athletic. Next year, regardless of if Biggie stays or not, we should have three very interesting, long-armed, capable players of making mismatches for everyone else. He can't be any worse than Matt Tendam was. Who? Did you say who? Yeah. Matt Tendam? Come on. Is this a nickname? No, that his name, basketball player in the 90s, came in. Glenn Robinson was here, and he got recruited. Listen, he was- I'm going to let you in on a secret. <laughs> I I was born in 1988. I know that. Which means for on. a good half of the 1990s, I was not forming memories. So you're telling me you've never even read Basket Baffle? Ba- what? Juan, you know what I'm talking about, right? Fun fact, when you Google Matt Dam, the first thing that pops up is a profile on bad- badassery from Travis on Hammer and Rails. Yeah, so he was this gigantic guy. I don't even remember where he was from. Uh, he was supposed to be the missing piece for the team uh, with Glenn Robinson and, and Conzo, and we were going to get to the Final Four and win the whole thing, and then it turned out he was actually terrible. Uh, this was before recruiting was so far advanced that you had tape on everybody, and he was like this mythical creature, and we were so psyched to get him, and then he was just awful. I mean, he's one of the worst basketball players you've ever seen. And then he ended up doing, like, MMA somewhere because he's just a freaking giant. And he was terrible at that, too. I say, I can't imagine a very tall, awkward guy being good at MMA. Oh, I mean, he was, like, beefy, though. This is fascinating. I assume I'm going to... Is he on YouTube? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I will have to do a deep dive tomorrow. So, this is a part of the podcast where we're all going to dread because we're going to try to move along. And we have to move away from the bright shining star of basketball and on to football. This week has been kind of big on hammer and rails. We've got a lot of views and almost none of them positive. Doug Griffiths, who was, he was part of Golden Black Illustrated before. Is that correct? Yeah. He came out with a bunch of bombshell tweets. Most of them were not flattering in any way and shined a light on the backstage of a lot about the Tiller years and then the Hope years and how everything meshed together. So I'm going to, if any of you guys have, I'll start here with uh, Holmes. If any of you guys have a tweet that you want to read, just to give an example of some of the little bombs he was dropping. Was, what was it? it needs to be a gigantic statue of Joe Tiller outside of Ross Age for all the stuff that he put up with, how loyal he was. In all fairness, that is not a well-timed tweet. We just built a statue. How many statues can you build in one year? All of the statues. <laughs> Who? Who doesn't need a statue at Purdue? Do we all think Joe Tiller does? I'd, I'd put one up at the top of the stadium. At the very top. I mean, at least. Right at Joe Tiller Avenue? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing a statue of a mustache. No, I want the, I want the statue of him after we clinch the Rose Bowl game, uh, like to go to the Rose Bowl. Him in that hat, two fists in the air. It's a picture they always use of Tiller. That's what, I mean, if they were going to make a statue of him, that's what I would want. Okay, if you have to choose one, I'll put this to you. This next year in the budget, we only have room for one statue. <laughs> Tiller or Breeze? Ooh. Pretty much who do you give more credit to? Honestly, I'm leaning a little bit towards Breeze. Because like I'm th- picturing the picture of him uh, with the rose in his mouth after they clinched the Rose Bowl berth. That is a very good point. We could compromise, and there's a picture of them hugging with the oh, rose. There we go. Two for Ooh. one. There's not many brotherly love, just man-on-man action and since, you know, Greek time. So this could be real good. Let's just go back to Doug Rivis a little bit. I guess, what is the most... Are we really surprised about some of the stuff that he brought out, or does it feel like more of the same that we've been hearing for the last few years? I wasn't surprised 
by a lot of it. I was I was an intern in the athletic department for a year, and then I was a graduate assistant for two years. So some of it you kind of hear rumblings about, and you you see the one that I that didn't surprise me because I'd actually seen them and heard them talk about it was the car rentals. You know, they were complaining. One of the things that Doug Griffiths tweeted was that on basketball recruiting trips, the uh, assistant coaches for Purdue would park far away from the stadium. That way, the recruits wouldn't see what kind of cars they were driving because, and you know, he didn't go into detail what they were driving, but he said, you know, other coaches would pull up in, in like Escalades or fully loaded SUVs. You have to imagine, you know, Morgan Burke pulled out his Costco card and he was getting a good deal on like the economy plus car or something. So he's getting like a Ford Focus. I'm the- uh, thanks a lot, Ledman. We were going to be sponsored by Ford Focus, but I guess I now that's out of the bag. You know, at, on one hand, I get it because you want to appear that you're you're a baller, you know, you're you're top notch, you got money rolling in, but at the same time, do you really need to waste money on stupid shit like that that I doesn't say, How much of a like deal do we think that really makes? That's well, that's what I'm at. Like so many, I get that these are maybe issues, but like things he tweeted today that was that was on the post that Travis put up was about the assistant coaches' offices not being carpeted. It's like okay, has a recruit you think ever walked into one of the assistant coaches' offices and go, "Well, I was gonna commit here, but there is no carpet in here." Fucking hate linoleum. God yeah. damn linoleum. I, I am not going to a place that does not have carpeting in every room. Carpet's hard to clean, man. Yeah. This is the exact tweet. It says, things fans never privy to, like assistant coaches' offices not carpeted in Molenkoff because of some antiquated university policy. Also, like, bathrooms <laughs> not stocked with Charmin. All office floors have to be brick, right? Is that... Yeah, it was uh, part of John <laughs> Purdue donating the land. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice if everything was hardwood. Just yeah, kind of really looked like a basketball court. Just uh, shine them up every night before you go home. So, I mean, on one hand, I get it. I agree with what he's saying. Burke was cheap. But, you know, and again, I'm going to defend Burke a little bit here, so prepare to groan. When you're hired into a job and the board of trustees says, your job is to make sure we don't lose money. Your job is to make sure we are self-sustaining. And if he can save 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there for stuff that, frankly, I don't know if it matters. Maybe it matters to recruits. I was obviously never recruited to be a D1 basketball or football player. Shock of the world, I know. Can we get confirmation on this? Yeah. You didn't even get a letter in the mail? No, didn't even get a letter. There's got to be like an accident. There's got to be a lot of Andrew Ledmans around, right? You might have accidentally got a piece. Not really. Not really. No. So I get that some of it matters, but at the same time, I feel like some of what he's pointing out is really piddly and are, and are not the big issues that probably cause the frustration for, for people like Taylor and Painter. Right. Juan, like what happened doesn't really matter at this point. Juan, do you think now that Babinski is in charge, is it going to be more of the same or different? You know, that's really tough to tell. If you ask Georgia Tech fans, they're going to tell you, you guys are going to end up with more of the same because when he left, Paul Johnson was saying our facilities are terrible and all this. But at the same time, you have to consider he was only at Georgia Tech for three years. There's only so much you can do at that time. Also, but I mean, if you look, Paul Johnson but if you, doesn't like him because Babinski was openly wanting to fire him. Right. And then he wanted to fire him and then he won 11 games and was forced to give him contract extension. But then you look at what he did at Xavier and basically making that a powerful basketball school and what it is now and the coaching hires that he did. So I guess it just really depends what kind of Babinski are we going to get here. I think he has a chance here to maybe, you know, start rebuilding some of these bridges, especially with the alumni, because what Doug Griffins was tweeting here was 
Burke had a terrible relation with alumni. I mean, we're seeing here that one of the reasons why Gary Harris didn't commit to Purdue was because his mother, I think, was an alum- went to Purdue. She didn't have a good relation with Purdue afterwards. So he was like, don't go there because they're not going to treat you well. So that is something that needs to be fixed. And I mean, here we're seeing that they'll invite the athletes back and make them pay for all their tickets and whatnot. It's like, come on, you can, there's 20,000 extra seats in Ross 8. I'm sure you can give them four extra tickets for free. I don't think yeah. anyone is upset that they can't go to a football game. <laughs> I think they're fine with that. But that I think Juan's right. That part of it is inexcusable. You cannot alienate the people who played for you and are going to be ambassadors for you each and every day. Whether they were, you know, four-year starters who end up in the NFL, you know, whether they're MVPs like Drew Brees or whether it's somebody like who was a walk-on but, you know, was popular. Maybe he's got a Twitter following. Maybe he's on, you know, Facebook, is in the community selling insurance, selling cars. Whatever they're doing, people are going to know them as a Purdue athlete. And if they have nothing but good things to say about Purdue, it can only help Purdue. Whereas... If you have this story like Gary Harris's mom out there, clearly you can see how that directly impacted Purdue uh, in the future with a basketball recruit. So who knows how that's going to impact any other team in the future. Maybe there's another kid out there who won't come to Purdue because the mom or dad didn't think they were treated right. And that's not something that you can maintain and continue to have good these good relationships in the state. Eventually it's going to sour on you. And the change of regime, it gives us a fresh chance to start over at least, but do you yes. guys know what Babinski's uh, nickname was at Georgia Tech? No. I was reading some pieces, and what they all called him secretly behind his back was Yeti. Because, like Yeti, no one ever saw him. Oh, oh yeah, nice. I did hear about that. I remember when uh, we talked with the Georgia Tech writer. Yeah, I think I did say it in another. That's a little damning. Not exactly what you want to hear from the guy taking over i will give burke that credit he was visible you saw him at the games even if it was the golf game or the women's basketball game or the football games he was at least visible yeah, he sure, was a... but the vision and of i hope... him mostly just pissed all of us off so it oh, might yeah. have been better if he wasn't so visible he was extremely passionate too but i mean hopefully babinski can maybe get rid of this yeti myth here that's the state of things there's a sinkhole in on the field right now, which just happened to be perfectly timed. Holmes, I'll put this to you. Is that a proper metaphor, or do you think we're capable of climbing out of the hole going forward? Well, I think we made pretty much national news just because it was a such a proper metaphor for Purdue football. I mean, that's what, probably going to be for another couple of years, that's going to be what people will think of when they think of Purdue football, or at least... I'd almost, I'd rather than think of the sinkhole than think of the actual product on the field as it has been. <laughs> if teams like treated each other like political candidates, like everyone would just use that video to sum up our entire philosophy towards everything. Purdue football wants to be great again. They can't and... even have a field without a hole in it. But don't hey, we got to stop. It's so close to the end zone, they'll never fall. Hey, we got to stop other teams from scoring eventually. We, we have a method now for two yeah, of the quarters. Sure. Eventually, as in 60 minutes when the game clock is done. That's exactly. when they stop scoring. No, but apparently... But they, leave, they won't have any scoring threats left because they will all have fallen into our sinkhole. <laughs> and that's how we get transfers. No, but apparently... We'll you out if you sign this letter of intent to come to us. But I, apparently... think actually, I think actually that's how Andy Dufresne escaped from Ross-Aid Stadium. <laughs> 
No, but apparently, according to one of our readers, I don't know, I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently they knew about this uh, pipe that was not performing well underneath the surface here, and athletic department did nothing about it until I it broke. I know a guy who works this, on wait, the piping. The pipe? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this person heard it be- around the co-rec. I don't know. Uh, did the pipe say it was going to check out the uh, film of the water flow? <laughs> Get back to him. We're we're gonna see what happens with this pipe. We're gonna look at the film. We're, you know, we're gonna correct some things. Uh, and next week we're gonna go back after it and see if we can get these toilets to flush right. But speaking of things that are below ground and gonna make us all very sad, we have a Purdue game this weekend. Ugh. We travel to the one and three, Fighting Illini Stadium in Champaign. Uh, let's let's go ahead and start with you, Ledman. Are we done? Are we just have we tapped out? Or do we have lingering hope that the easiest schedule in the Big Ten is going to relieve us of some stress? I, you know, I had lingering hope after the Nevada game because we just did so well against the run and we had such a great second half defensively. And then a surprising optimist. I know. And then Travis and I went to the Maryland game. (laughs) I watched that in person. And other than our punter, I don't know who you can say played well. We Blau missed easy throws. Our offensive line might have been more effective if they just laid down. They ran for, what, 400 yards on us. Uh, We missed a field goal. We, uh, I mean, we couldn't stop the run. So why would they even pass? And when they passed, they were open anyway. So nothing that this team has done has inspired confidence in me at this point. So even though Illinois is also not a good team, uh, you, you have to say they have a better coach. I mean, Lovey Smith, I know, you know, he, he's been fired a few times in the NFL, but he also took a team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, With you can't... Rex Grossman at his quarterback. Exactly, which is even more impressive. So if nothing else, we're going to get out coached. Juan, what do you think's bigger right now? The sinkhole at ross or the holes that will allow against Illinois on the line? Ooh. We already know the holes last week were bigger than the entire ross Stadium. You know, I am going to say the holes in the offensive line because at least the turf grew is probably going to do something to make that hole smaller, whereas with the offensive line, they're probably not going to bother doing anything about it. Is the weather going to be nice at least? Our, our kids aren't going to be uncomfortable? Last time I checked, it seemed to be okay. I haven't really paid attention to the weather in Illinois. I've been focused more on the hurricane approaching Florida, but probably the forecast here will be uh, pain. Holmes, are you going to make it a straight across the board? This isn't going to end well for us? It's hard to see any scenario where it really could end well. Illinois at least has been competitive in some of the games that they've lost so that's already a check mark in their column the maryland game was just so frustrating to watch there was a couple of plays four sacks isn't terrible if you look at it by the end of the end of the game in the big 10 but it was just every time there was a good play the next play was awful like i think we had a sack and then a six gave up a 60 yard run up the middle in one sequence sounds like most of the game probably wasn't just yeah. one sequence yeah i mean like I said, there was nothing in that game that you can take away other than maybe shop or punting the ball and go, you know, we can really build on that to uh, improve throughout the season because we were just absolute garbage. We were hot, wet garbage. One thing about last week, for the first time this year, we got to see Sindelar. And I was calling forward about a quarter beforehand thinking Blau has been inaccurate all week, but Sindelar came in and he looked just as bad yes do we think it matters do we blame the quarterbacks like did we recruit wrong or do we 
can you quantify this as just obviously a coaching error that they are incapable of creating an offense or teaching the fundamentals in a way where our quarterbacks are able to make what we have open receivers and they're pretty decent, easy throws and we just aren't accomplishing it. Is it just straight offensive line issues, which was definitely a problem against Maryland, but all year Blau's been missing throws that he should make. What do we think the cause of it? I do think part of it's coaching because how many, how many quarterbacks has Hazel played during his time here? And every single one of them has had the same issue. So at, at a certain point, you have to say, what's the common denominator there? And it's the coach. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I'm trying to be nice to Hazel. He seems like a good dude. I was in favor of him being hired. But, you know, at this point, what else is left to say about the guy? There's one thing. How old is he? He is 52. Daryl Hazel is a 52-year-old man who still thinks it's acceptable to use boxes on his hat lid. How you can live that many years without realizing that you look like a moron by squaring off your ball cap is unacceptable. That's a life choice. And if you fail at life that much, you're probably not going to succeed on the college football level. I just want to point out that he also attended Cinnamonson High School. What? Which is, yeah, it's just fun to say. In (laughs) Cinnamonson Township, New Jersey. Are you like throwing that in with the square hat thing? No, I just, you know, we're people looking at people in Cinnamonson are going to be real pissed at yes. you. <laughs> our huge, our huge listenership in Cinnamonson Township, New Jersey. Did you see the university plays he played for? No. Who? He, he attended Muskingum. Where's that? I, I don't know. That is in New Concord, Ohio. Where is that? Uh, approximately 60 miles east of the state capital of Columbus. Okay. It is a Presbyterian university. What position did he play? Wide receiver. All right. I'm already getting tired. Okay. Here's the question. When do we think he gets fired? That's what this all comes down to. This is what everyone's waiting for. January 1st, because that's when his buyout drops again. What does it drop from? What is it right now? 3.7? But his 12 million is guaranteed. So the difference between firing him now and firing him later is, are we going to just pay him out in a little bit of increments and then give him a lump sum or just give him the lump sum now? It's not a lump He's sum, getting... I don't believe. I'm yeah. pretty sure someone it's... told me the contract was spread out, even yeah, for the buyout. 12... Yeah, it's $12 million guaranteed. He's getting the 12 million regardless of when we fire him. That's fine, but there is a... I don't... Is that true? Isn't what a buyout is means you just get that money and you go away? No, not necessarily. I thought it was a guaranteed he just gets that. I don't know the structure of his contract, but uh, let's see if we can find it real quick. If only you were a lawyer thing that would know the particulars so us common folk wouldn't have to. Is his contract available online for me to read? should be because it's a public university. Every contract in Purdue is known, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know where. I don't know Purdue about the University. details of the contract. Like the full, like the full printout, thirty-page contract. According to Travis from Hammer and Rails <laughs> website, I've heard Who's of that. If why would you fine, ever quote? No one reputable has ever quoted him. I know. Well, the thing except is, the Washington Post. <laughs> I think more than that, even. Actually, this is this is a quote from the Indy Star. Love that, you, boss. That, we took so if he's fired hazel's paid the money he would have earned through the unexpired part of the contract except for bonuses that means he receives base salary supplemental compensation and quote supplemental retirement contributions and what quote. are the bonuses here are well that's like you know if you win so many games you go to a bowl right. game so in other words he's not going to get that money anyway oh, so God, he'd no. be losing no money 
No. Here are examples of potential payments. Uh, January 1 of 2015 was 8.7. January 1 of 2016, 6.6 .6 million. January 1 of 2017, it goes down to 4.45 million. The buyout? Yeah. So and they then, want a collective, like, what's our fan base overall? You mean 500, like 500,000 people? More? Probably more, right? Yeah, it's way more than that. So way more than that. They want us all to collectively suffer through all these months just to save like a mil and a half. Well, it's over two million. I don't do good math. math. I don't do math. It's, uh, it's not that I don't do math, Ledman. I wasn't listening to you. Ah, makes sense. <laughs> uh, you and my wife have that in common. We have it's, other uh... things in common too. So I was just I found a contract <laughs> online here hey. and a, they have a thing where if, if the coaches die this agreement shall Do terminate not automatically. Say something, Juan, that is going to suggest in any way that we want him to die before we fire him. <laughs> it's just funny that God, they have we that do here. have standards. I wasn't suggesting anything. I will delete just... this podcast. <laughs> I feel like this podcast just turned into the movie Dead Man on Campus and we're going to try to kill him so we don't have to pay and Hold all on. this Is that a movie will... anyone knows? Come on. Where is this from? 1992? Mark Paul Gossler, Zach Morris is in the movie. <laughs> yes. I don't know of a single movie he's been in. Uh, you do now, Dead Man on Campus. <laughs> they try to kill their roommate. They try to have their roommate commit suicide so that they can get all A's. Oh. Jeez, guys. <laughs> Busting bustin my ass over here with these deep cuts from the 90s. What were anyway. you saying, Juan? Oh, I had nothing else to say. I was just, you oh, know, you going through the whole suicide clause. No, it was, it was just, no, I don't need to. I was just going through the, just found on page 11 of the contract. No big deal. Just Ledman answered. Yeah. He's not going to be fired till the end of the year. Juan, do you agree? I'll, I'll probably in after the bucket game is when I'll, is when he'll be fired. The end of the year. Oh, that's. Well, if you wait till the end of the bucket game, why not wait till the end of the year? Right. You, Is there a game say... after the bucket game? No. No. <laughs> We're at the end of the year. We're not going to a bowl game. I, the only I reason to fire him before that is if someone like Miles, you know, is going to find a contract before we can get, get him out and get the wheels turning on finding somebody else. That would be the only reason to fire him at the end of the bucket game instead of the end of the year. If you wait until January 1st, at that point, any decent coaching candidate would have already been taken or renewed their contract. Plus, at that point, you don't have much time if you hire a coach in January to get recruits on board for the signing date in February. Or is it March? No, it's February. Do we realistically think we can get a good coach? No. That silence was every Purdue Boilermaker fan's <laughs> heartbreaking. I'm... Maybe no. PJ Fleck? Maybe? No. No. If Babinski is willing to just shell out the cash, but it, he's easily going to get offers from other bigger P5 schools. Well, because think about it. The LSU job is open. They're not going to give it to their guy who just took the, the job temporarily because it's not going to be a big enough splash for them and they want a name for their boosters. So some other big name, court or big name coach is going to get that job. That coach will then... Their, whatever job he had is then open, and the dominoes will fall. Purdue is not going to be at the top of those dominoes. We're going to have to settle for whoever is still available when everything else shakes out. And it's going to make us all sad. Have we not passed the point where there is a sadness? Like, sad it's is gone, right? More sad. Hasn't everyone just, like, accepted just, apathy? That is, no, that is the fifth stage of loss and grief is acceptance. Okay, so. wait, wait, I got it. something with a contract here. Don't Purdue, be an assassination clause. 
No, it's not. So it goes to when he's going to be fired. So, you know, we talked about the buyout changes January 1st of 2017. Yes. When they fire him, they have to give him 30 days written notice. <laughs> so in essence, <laughs> they can fire him on December 1st. Does squatter rights apply to office space? No, no, because he does not own that. <laughs> You technically don't own a house you rent. No, but you have a lease. Here, he is just happens to be the guy who was assigned that office. Okay. If he perhaps put a tent in the sinkhole. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's your legal full. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, if we if we fire him with cause, so like we talked about last podcast, Mr. Holmes, what would be your favorite made-up cause for firing Hazel? Well, I think we'd have to. Uh have Travis seduce him, right? And then <laughs> make, it, make it be a se- sex scandal using his offices for illicit affairs. Well, there's no carpet in there, so it's easy to clean. All I know is if that story ever gets posted on Hammer and Rails, we might be in for something real big. So the carpet doesn't match the drapes in this situation? What? I don't know. I, well, if there are no drapes... Whoa! <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Hazel shaves. I can't imagine they're, they're shelling out money for uh, drapes if they're not going to buy carpet. Eh? That's what I'm saying. Can we also... Let's... <laughs> was that the joke? Yes! <laughs> yeah. It, was, it wasn't dirty. It was just com- it was completely innocuous about... It was supposed to sound... It was supposed to sound dirty, but it's not actually dirty because we were literally talking about the car- room not being carpeted earlier. <laughs> I also want to say way too long that I, of a think, callback. I think that's purposeful because every time that Brian Cardinal knocks something off his desk, he's diving to the floor to grab it. I, and they just don't want him coming up with rug burns. I think we are to the point where we are all sad and un unhopeful of anything going forward with the pretty football program and that usually means it's the end of the podcast does anyone have any last words about anything purdue related we did offer the uh chilean center six foot ten center in basketball so we can end on basketball right uh how about this so i'm still looking at the contract do you want do you guys want to hear some of the great bonuses hazel can still earn (laughs) (laughs) yes yes Yes. There will be no ending. At so, one, some point at the end of these facts, we will just go to darkness. That's fine. So if the team wins the Big Ten regular season conference championship game. Not mathematically Purdue, impossible. Yeah. Purdue will pay the coach a bonus payment equal to 10% of the performance bonus base. Do that blah, math blah. for me. What? Could you do that math? Oh, I didn't look at the actual number. It's up here, but they have to set it separately. It's real stupid. But if the team is invited to the Rose Bowl or any other BCS Bowl, what percent of the bonus do you think he gets? 25. 40%. Uh, What if we're invited to the Rose Parade? (laughs) (laughs) And then they literally go down bowl by bowl how much he gets. So like Capital One Bowl. Bowl. Capital One Bowl, 25%. Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, 7.5%. And any other non-Big Ten Bowl, Purdue will pay the coach a bonus payment of $5,000. That's a small number. Yeah, because that's a crappy game. He also gets bonuses for paid attendance at home games. And what is the number? 
$20 per paid attendee times the average number of paid attendees between 50,000 and one and 52,000. So, so it has to be 50,000 for him to get paid for a bonus. Well, technically it has to be 50,000 and two. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that. I was really hoping that it was a like paid per person that walks in. And then he also, he also, if we get over 55,000 people, he gets $30 per paid attendee for a single game. Yeah, it's, I assume it's per game. How so he hasn't received. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's average paid attendance during the regular season. So this is calculated at the end of the season. Yeah. So this is literally just Purdue wasting ink. Yeah, there's no way that's ever like, going to be triggered. All the money, they're worried about carpet, but they're wasting words on this. Yeah, pretty much. For his appearances on television and radio, he gets $1.45 million per year. <laughs> Regardless of how much he $1.5 million? <laughs> Yeah, for his he appearance. He hasn't had on, a media request in like three months, I bet. Uh, performance of his duties, appearances on television and radio produced by Purdue, uh, assistance with Purdue's website or other media participation related to his <laughs> as head coach. And marketing so appearances. just for Purdue-related media. Yeah. So, yeah, the Daryl Hazel show, essentially. That's yeah. it. 1.45 per year. Did you say help with the website? Yeah, it says assistance with Purdue's website or other media participation related to his position as head coach. How many I don't people think do you think oh. listen to the Hazel show? Four. So he gets paid like 0.6. No, <laughs> I'm not good at math. Point. Three and a half million for each single person that listens to that. What is point three and a half million? Point three five. There you go. That's point three and a half. <laughs> Somebody says it like that, though. <laughs> I say it like that. I go to I school for English things. I want to imagine him writing code for the website. <laughs> his assistance for the website that's why coaching is so poor because he has to maintain the purdue sports website i do not admit i don't know if you saw this but on the last page they actually have a breakdown of his buyout schedule for each month oh it goes by month yeah daryl hazel buyout schedule remaining agreement amount let's see december 1st his buyout is 4.629 million that is a nightmare and then it jumps down to 4.4 4.4 January 1st, 2007. So it's only about $179,000 difference January. So even if we fire him this year, we literally just waited a whole nother season and wasted it to save $1.5 million? No, I mean about $2, two, million. two million. So because if you assume we would have fired him in January of 2016, the buyout was 66 uh, at that point. So now if we if we fire him in January of 2017, it's 4.45. So you're saving just over $2, two million. If we fire him right now, it's $4.9 million, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah. And this has to be said because I know people are going to say in the comments, you know, we may have saved $2 million by not firing him, but what did we lose in donations? What did we lose in ticket sales, session revenue, everything else? How much money did we lose by trying to save $2 million? I'm depressed. Let's end this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said we weren't going to talk about the Daryl Hazel dying clause. <laughs> all right. You've made me sad, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And that is all. This is the Hammer and Real podcast. And we might not be back. Anymore. <laughs>